Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 67 for Monday, November 25th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is the spacefaring wonder himself, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir. If you're interested in hearing more about my space adventures, then uh, you folks can listen to The Rendered Distance, which is available on patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Uh, we talked a lot about No Man's Sky and my adventures in the great wide galaxy, none of which I can pronounce. Joel in space! <laughs> it's all procedurally generated names and it's all very complicated. Yes. Hard to say on, on stream. I'm getting a lot of practice about reading very complicated words out loud. It's been quite a lot of fun. <laughs> My favorite No Man's Sky NPC that I found was a guy in a space station who, for whatever reason, was named Corporal Dork. <laughs> and like that's, that's that's kind of what I felt like after playing that uh, game for sixty hours. But uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, No Man's Sky chat. As Joel said in the pre-show, we are here to talk about Minecraft. Have you been able to uh, leave space for long enough to come back down to Earth and play some Minecraft this week? Uh, yes. However, I'm still in the dark. Uh, I'm in the Nether, uh, and but but enjoying. It. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm feeling quite accomplished uh, over the last week as I uh, tackled a different kind of nether tunnel. It's very short, uh, and it leads to Somerville, which on my server is where uh, my server mate Cosmic Dancer and a member of our community, actually, uh, has her main base and build. And so I was trying to bring all the flowers and the the um, gardens and all the crazy colorful things that, that Cosmic has done in Somerville into the nether, which is not entirely <laughs> an easy task. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lot of pink. Uh, there was a lot of pink glass and granite and terracotta, and uh, I actually feel pretty good about it. It was a fun. It was a fun deviation from stone and the kind of things that I've been building a lot with recently. A lot of oak, a lot of wood, a lot of sandstone, things like that. And so uh, pushing the limits a little bit on what I wanted to do color-wise, including lilacs, beetroot, which happens to be a custom texture for me, so it's purple, not red, mm -hmm. um, and pink glazed terracotta which i can tell you is not the easiest block to find a use for in this game yeah so i'm really quite happy with the way that it, it turned out uh and i really have been enjoying the technique of i want to say glazing blocks with glass i've been doing this for a few weeks now and it's not the fog effect we've all seen that i think in, in various youtube videos and, and versions of the game uh i think you've even done a a survival guide version of yeah yeah tutorial my, on on it the ravine in my central town is is layers of gray glass with i think regular gray and then light gray layered on top of each other so it it looks kind of foggy and you can't quite see the bottom of it but you've been, exactly you've been doing like a layer of blocks and then one layer of glass one single layer of glaze of, right. of uh of um what's we're looking before like, um, stained glass yeah and now granted i have a connected glass texture so it removes the the grid border from the glass when it's connected and my glass texture doesn't have those little uh, diagonal dash lines that the current um minecraft version vanilla does yeah so you may you uh, will say results may vary depending on your texture pack however what i really like about it is the fact that you can take something like terracotta which is roughly an orange block give or take it's more of a, a clay color but it's kind of a ready orange rusty color and you put pink glass over it and then it becomes a pink color a pink block mm -hmm. to the eye but it's not the same pink as pink concrete or pink terracotta that you can actually craft in the game it gives you a different tone and then it matches much better with say granite which is more of a salmon it's not really pink. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been experimenting with this uh, across uh, different builds, and I'm finding it very, very useful and and very fun. It it's a way to add some depth to your build, some color, but not have to dig like you know four blocks deep for the wall like you just do. There's your bait, there's your backdrop, and then there's your glass, and then sometimes it helps if you put like a pillar or two in front of it, and just it it because of the seamless texture when you hide the edges, it just looks like a different color. And it gives a bit of distance because you're pushing that wall back one more block. And so any texture you have in that wall, granted, uh, terracotta doesn't have much of a texture. Uh, you have a little bit of a parallax effect when you walk by. So it's it's been really, really fun. So people, if you're looking for, you know, some exploratory techniques, uh, the VODs for all that, it's on, on my Twitch channel because I've been streaming a lot of this creating from the hip uh, on Twitch. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Had some good input from the chat. Had a lot of um, back and forth. Um, 
a lot of com compliments on the flowers. I mean, holy, I have to give the, the credit to the flowers for Cosmic. I mean, she's the one that's been using them like crazy on the server and really kind of inspired me to be like, I should use more of these colorful plants in the build so that mm -hmm. I use. And it, it adds a lot. It really does. And um, it's funny, you know, with the, the, the update coming with bees and the focus on bees and flowers and stuff like that, like I kind of feel like they're, it's like a subtle hint from Moyang to be like, you know, you should, you guys should plant more flowers. You know, we got more flowers um, in one fourteen as well. You know, all the different uh, flowers and dyes and things. Yes, and flowers and dyes just got added to Minecraft Earth as well. So it's all coming together nice. at this point. Um, I've been playing a little bit more Minecraft Earth this week, but I have refocused on Java Edition a bit. Um, I've been re, I've been building the uh, the eight by eight castle that I uh, used that we used as the show art last week. Um, so anybody anybody who uh, listens to the spawn chunks got a bit of a preview of that ahead of time. But I've been um, rebuilding those micro builds in my survival guide world now as well. So the 8x8 castle tutorial came out this weekend and in today's video I uh, ended up rebuilding the castle just over in an area that I'm going to showcase all of the micro builds there. And uh, that's coming together really well. I'm really happy with that build in general. Uh, I want them to be something that you can use in Java and Bedrock worlds as well as just the 8x8 build plates. Um, Mythical Sausage, who is um, a friend of mine and also, I think, a patron of the Spawn Chunks, uh, has also been making some really great 8x8 tutorials, so he's worth checking out as well if people are interested in that stuff. Um, but aside from that, I've been going back into doing farms. Uh, I'm making a Ghast tier farm. Um, that's That's been a lot of fun, and something that I didn't think was going to be as easy as it was, but now Wither Roses are in the game, it's actually quite straightforward to make a ghast tier farm because all you need to do is make a platform ghasts will spawn on, cover it in wither roses, and you get ghast tears and magma cream. Um, you do need to make sure that pigmen don't spawn, but I have recently learned something that I, I had a... Um, I, I, the notion I had was that pigmen could spawn in any light level. It turns out they're like blazes and light levels of 12 and above will block them spawning. So uh, it, it doesn't, really? yeah, it it doesn't happen that way in gold farms, even though you've got torches spammed everywhere, just because there is enough space between the torches that pigmen can spawn, um, and the torches are just there to stop reinforcement zombies from spawning below light level seven. But yeah, like I I always thought pigmen could just spawn everywhere, and to be fair, it is really hard to keep a consistent light level of twelve or above. I basically had to have strips of glowstone basically only four blocks apart so that the light level on the third block along gets to 12 and then it goes back up 13, 14, and finally wow. 15 when you're standing in the glowstone itself. So it's it's not like, <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. And you can see why people's nether hubs don't get easily spawn-proofed just by lighting uh, as far as zombie pigmen go because, yeah, like keeping a light level of 12 in anything more than just a box is really quite difficult. But that does mean that you can limit the spawns to only ghasts and magma cubes, which will spawn in any light level. And the wither roses take care of both of them as long as you've got a low enough roof on there that the ghasts can't fly up. So I have been able to farm, I think, about 100 ghast tiers an hour with a relatively small space. I think it's only maybe wow. 24 blocks long-ish, something like that. Um... So now I can make all of the end crystals I want, which is good because I need to blow things up. Um, but the one thing I'm not using end crystals for is respawning the dragon because A, I am done with that, and B, I have now mined out half of the obsidian pillars in the end, which took me in total about 12 hours. Don't do You're it, Joel. A monster. I know. I, I did. I, no. I did about four and a half hours worth of it on stream. I think we did like one and a half pillars, but I wanted to do a time lapse. I wanted to do like a big time lapse of taking down half of the pillars. I wanted to do all of them, but I realized it was going to take me like far too long to do, and I didn't uh, do it yeah. all in one stretch. I did it basically kind of split up into, you know, two or three or four hours at a time. And right. I wanted to do that because I'm turning the end into this enormous spaceport and having those pillars there didn't really seem like it fit. And eventually I maybe want to replace them with like, you could have pillars there, but you could make them out of something completely different. And as though they're like control towers for the spaceport or something like that. I also wanted to show off the fact that the obsidian pillars actually go all the way down to like the level of the void in the end and I've built a base underneath the end island now. Uh, so that was kind of part of it. The other reason of course being that I now have 23,000 obsidian and I can use that for overworld gold farms, I can use it to make like custom biomes with obsidian like volcano kind of activity everywhere. And basically, I'll never need to go mine obsidian if I want an end portal, a, a nether portal, I mean, again, I can just have all of this obsidian now. 
So uh, that's what I've been doing, uh, spending far too much time mining obsidian. Um, I but, can only imagine. Like that's that's a lot of obsidian. Like yes. I, could, I, I find obsidian even just a pain in the butt to mine out when I'm moving a portal. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's I a find lot. that mind numbing. Ironically yeah. enough, I have found that you cannot make obsidian in build mode in Minecraft Earth. Um, if you oh, really? put, if you put water, if you put like a lava source just in a puddle of water, all it does is stay there and then create cobblestone on all four sides. And I was hoping to make that into like a four-sided cobblestone generator, but there's actually an order in which it um, creates the cobblestone. And if you break all four of them, then it just does one first, and then it does another one, and then it does the other two. And it, it doesn't do it fast enough for you to be able to farm cobblestone like on a four-sided thing. But um, right. I think it may be because... It may be possible to do it in adventure mode. I haven't tried it in adventure mode yet. But it may be because you are supposed to need diamond tools to be able to mine obsidian. I haven't made any diamond tools yet, despite having like eight diamonds at this stage. Um, so I think maybe you can only create it in adventures to stop people from exploiting that and just picking up obsidian using pickup mode. Is the only way to get obsidian in Java Edition to either mine it from the end, create it, or find it via water and lava in the overworld, uh, or make your own like obsidian farm? You can't. Can you get obsidian by trading with a villager? You can't get it from trading with villagers. It is occasionally found in village chests, unless they have changed the loot table since one fourteen. But I don't know okay. for certain. Um, in the speedrunning community, some of the best seeds they use for speedrunning quickly, so they can get to the Nether super quickly, is ones that have a village nearby that happens to have like twelve obsidian in a chest. Um, right. And so you know you, you can still get obsidian that way. I believe that's still in the game in 1.14 after Village and Pillage changed all of the villages around, but I don't know for certain there. But uh, yeah, the, the, it, it is intended that you have to get a diamond pickaxe before you can go to the nether, presumably. I guess the bucket method still exists, but uh, most people mm. are supposed to get diamond tools first. Interesting. Mm. Uh, the reason why I ask is just because I was just thinking about like if, if the only way to do it would be to mine it uh, you know in the old-fashioned way then the end would be the best place to get it yeah would be my yeah and and it would regenerate provided that you were willing to regenerate the dragon yes yes and and i am not <laughs> <At least laughs> not not anymore anyway and uh yeah, yeah. With, with presumably another twenty-three thousand obsidian left to mine i think i'll be mm. uh i'll be okay for now uh well let's move on to the news though let's get into uh what's coming up because we have some exciting stuff to talk about this week Absolutely. Uh, we have the Minecraft 1.15 pre-1 pre-release is out. The update is officially called Buzzy Bees. Full 1.15 release date is scheduled for December 10th. That's a Tuesday. Which is a Tuesday, uh, yes. So uh, yeah. unfortunately, we will only be able to get one uh, episode of the Spawn Chunks in after the update comes out before we leave for the holidays. We're going to be taking two weeks off over Christmas. And uh, yeah, that may end up having been like in, in our schedule, that would probably be a chunk mail dispenser episode. I'm wondering if maybe we should shuffle some things around to uh, to, to, yes. to, to do a different schedule for the episodes this month so we can really dive into Buzzy Bees when it comes out. I don't know if there's going right. to be a huge amount to dive into that we haven't already covered on the show before, but yeah. I think we probably should give our first impressions at least. I feel like in some places they've done releases where there's just a bunch of new things that you maybe weren't expecting and they didn't really talk about i think they do surprise us with some things when they release mm -hmm. uh, new versions of the game uh, but of those changes uh, the things listed in the pre-release are change the button highlight to make it easier to distinguish which button is selected uh, optimized chunk rendering yay optimized explosions oh my goodness me oh my goodness me some of you will know what i'm talking about uh, recipe changes to the Minecraft uh, to match Minecraft Bedrock updates to the resource pack format. Dark Prismarine is now crafted from black dye instead of ink sacks. I just ran into this the other week. Uh, I forgot that that wasn't changed yet. Uh, increased scaffolding burn time when used as a fuel in a furnace. The resource pack version is now five. The game now tries to make out of date resource packs work as much as possible and fixed bugs. We'll have a link to the uh, full release notes for the uh, one fifteen pre release one in the show notes of course and uh i i'm excited about these changes they seem to be really coming together i didn't see any other bug that stood out a lot of them seems to be just like along the lines of 
um, in-depth kind of explanations of what they mean by optimized explosions, uh, optimized chunk rendering, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, optimized chunk rendering is really the highlight, and that kind of leads me on to the next thing, it, which is Sliced Lime, uh, one of the Java developers, posted a response to people on Reddit who were having concerns about performance in the snapshots, saying that their FPS had more or less been cut in half and that kind of thing. And this post is really worth reading. If you're interested at all in the technical side of Minecraft and you're wondering what's going on with the game's performance, especially after 1.14, uh, read this post. It's going to be linked in the show notes and it's very interesting because he points out that uh, poor 1.14 server performance is due to a number of bugs which shipped with 1.14 and many of which have now been fixed. A lot of people have been suggesting that multi-threading, i.e. making use of multiple CPU cores, uh, is going to be the thing that fixes poor performance in Java worlds, and he accepts that, yes, this could be on the roadmap for the future, but it's not the priority right now. Multi-threading isn't a magic solution to poor performance, and it would also take a lot of work to implement. It would be a lot of rewrites, a lot of bug fixes, and spreading the load of Minecraft over multiple CPU cores is a little bit more complicated than it sounds on the surface. Um, he explained that why players were experiencing lower FPS in 1.15 snapshots is because 1.14 would try and treat the maximum FPS cap that you set in your settings. Say, like, if you have it capped at 240 FPS, the game was always trying to reach that and would skip over important processes like chunk loading as a result. And there's a, a quote that I pulled out of this. It says, A funny side effect of this is that if you uncapped your max FPS, the more powerful your computer was, the worse chunk rendering would lag. And that's what meant, what led to everybody flying around with Elytra and the world basically going blank, is because it's trying to load chunks in the background, but the game was prioritizing keeping your FPS high, and it was skipping over important things like actually rendering the world in front of you. So now the game is doing all of that stuff first, and that might mean people see their FPS dip. They are trying to make sure that the lowest it goes is 30 as a baseline. And while you might argue that 60 FPS is kind of more, uh, you know, the, the standard for current games, people are still running Java Minecraft on systems that cannot even get 60 FPS normally with a low render distance. So they are shooting for the lowest possible baseline, and they might increase it in future. Um, but the game will try not to dip below 30 FPS, and then once there is enough processing load taken off of it, it will be able to go higher again. So once it's loaded all of the chunks around you, then your FPS increases to whatever uncapped maximum you happen to have set in your settings. So it's a bit of a... Uh, it seems like a negative change, but it's actually quite a positive one. And like I said, I'm probably explaining this kind of poorly. I recommend reading Slice Lime's post. It is very well written and manages to explain things, especially like Mojang's bug fixing rationale in a way that the layman can understand. So definitely worth checking that out. From what I've seen in snapshot review videos, pre-release review videos, uh, the combination of videos showcasing how TNT works now, um, what happens when there's an awful lot of stuff going on on screen, along with um, some um, much appreciated listener feedback coming in to our email, thespawnchunks at gmail.com from a number of people that are running a 115 on servers uh, and saying, hey, it's running better than 114 was on servers. Uh, it's all promising to me. And I think that that's, that's good. I'm excited to have a release date. I, I think that um, knowing that things are improving and we're heading into the final stretch here where they're going to be hopefully fine tuning things even further. I'm hoping um, both for player experience and I think for for Mojang because of how problematic the 114 rollout was with rendering chunks not existing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a much smoother experience for, for most people playing Minecraft. And it looks like it's going down that way. So I'm excited. Yeah, Slice Lime says in the post that anyone he's spoken to about running a server with the 115 snapshots has not had a bad thing to say about performance, especially compared to 114. So hopefully things are on the up and up. I'm, <laughs> I'm personally hoping for that because even in single player, I experienced the occasional lag spike. So let's hope that that's... Uh, going to be a thing of the past as of 115 we will see 
Um, last thing to note, and we're not going to stick to Minecraft Earth too much today because we have discussed it quite heavily in the last few episodes, but Minecraft Earth has now been added in early access to Japan, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, and finally India. Um, the most recent update, as I mentioned at the top of the show, has also added dyes and crops. Um, and crop farming is a bit weird because it all takes place on build plates and you can only have stuff actually tick over when a build plate is loaded, which means it's all happening in AR. And as we know, that's the most draining part of the app as far as battery life. So I've done a minimal amount of crop farming and I really didn't want to leave a build plate open to see my crops grow. I think they grow a little bit faster than they do in standard bedrock Minecraft and you're kind of bringing to bear all of the stuff you know about like alternating crop types to encourage them to grow and that kind of stuff um but yeah crop farming is not necessarily going to have the emphasis that it has in regular survival minecraft either because your player doesn't have the ability to eat anything yet and you also can't right. breed animals with the crops yet i've tried breeding some cows with wheat it doesn't work so um wheat right now is just for making hay bales and everything else is useless but the fact is you'll get seeds from chest tappables and you'll be able to plant them and you can grow little farms if your heart so desires uh also the ability to dye wool now is really great and means that hopefully that's going to open up a lot more options for builders nice yeah it seems like a lot of it is focused on like well you don't need the the necessarily the food and regen inf infrastructure in the game as you do in, in java but you know hay bales for building and farms for aesthetic purposes as opposed to function is is there uh i, I find it curious that outside of portugal spain and maybe india all of those countries are going to be frozen in the next month or two <laughs> yeah it's true it's, it's not exactly the best time to go outside but hopefully people will be able to gather a few things from the comfort of their own homes like i've been tapping on the occasional bit of cobblestone as it comes up around my office and uh yeah maybe you'll see people building some stuff indoors to take out once spring arrives and hopefully the rain stops be curious to see any minecraft uh video feedback from finland <laughs> 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 yeah i mean yeah get get in touch finland let us know how your yeah. minecraft earth experience is you might want to wait until you're level 20 unlock some of those snowy build plates and see if they can camouflage with your environment <laughs> there you go <laughs> just have polar bears walking around the fields of finland anyway um i think it's probably time to move on to chunk mail i feel like that's uh enough time spent on the news um uh, we have an email from a landscape artist patron uh it, i think it's your turn to read this one it is, and I believe I'm pronouncing this right, is Noam, N-O-A-M, is uh, the, the emailer this week. Hey, Pix and Joel, I started playing Minecraft very recently. My first moments in Minecraft were in 1.14. My problem with the game is how easy it is once you know how to exploit villagers. For example, in my world, I spawned in a plains biome and found a village not long after. I built a house near the village and right away started to zombify and heal vill villagers after I got the name tag and a potion brewer. For those of you that might not be aware, um, just as an aside here, if you make a villager a zombie and then cure it, its trade prices will then drop dramatically to like one emerald per item that you're trying to trade for. Mm -hmm. So it becomes very easy to buy things from villagers. Um, then I just used the bookshelf and trades a duplicate emeralds bug. And I did this for a few reasons to get any book I wanted basically for free and for an XP farm. Uh, I even used it to mend my tools a few times, although it's pretty slow in that regard. What I'm trying to say is that the game becomes really easy when you play like this. You don't even need to mine because you can buy enchanted diamond gear from villagers and you don't need to farm food because you can buy food from them too. I still did the mining because that's how I learned to play and how I prefer to play. I even considered playing without villager trades in my next world. I think at this point uh, an end game, uh, it doesn't really matter. In my opinion, if they fixed the broken trades, the game would be more fun and challenging. What do you guys think about this? Uh, Johnny, you have a little bit more experience with trading uh, in 114 than I do because I honestly haven't done any. Uh, what, uh, what are your feelings about the upcoming, um, I guess, shift? Not upcoming, I guess the current shift in, in villager trading. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think there are still some things to be balanced from the 1.14 changes and those things have been you know being balanced as 1.14 goes on i mean we've had several changes to villagers to begin with not to mention the stuff that's been changing about iron farming but the um you know the 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 changes to villager gossip and what gossip could be exchanged and what is now retained 
So, you know, zombie villager cured, uh, like zombie villagers who are cured used to immediately pass on that discount to the other people around them. And now that happens still, I believe, but it does decay over time. So you have to cure the same villager multiple times in order to get the absolute lowest thing. So there is still a certain amount of work and effort that goes into it. You have to get an awful lot of gold for golden apples, which might be easy for some people, especially if you've got a mesa nearby or if you want to build a gold farm. But at that point, you are moving the game beyond the mechanics the game intended anyway. So... I don't know if it's necessarily within the um, remit of Mojang to balance that stuff out themselves when really, like, the player is creating that environment and it's all part of the sandbox. I find it interesting that Gnome has started building, uh, has started playing Minecraft with 1.14 and is already at the level where they're exploiting villagers on a regular basis for, like, you know, discounted trades and stuff like that. That seems like quite a fast level of progress and maybe you know you've been watching people on hermitcraft do stuff with villagers and you just kind of go through the progression of that but i think the average player is not going to discover mechanics like that on their own i feel like that is very much a community assisted uh point of view or like this the state of play you've reached is something that you've come to by watching other people play and those are people who are playing at what i would consider a much more advanced level so I think mm -hmm. to the average player, this new villager system actually works quite well. And the average player, especially if they are younger, wouldn't be able to figure out quite why they're getting all of these discounts and stuff until maybe they do a bit more research into it or by accident they end up zombifying and curing a bunch of villagers and finding that they have discounts that way. And even then, that player is going to have a harder time getting the resources available to cure an absolute ton of zombie villagers back again. So... I don't know. I don't feel like it is necessarily unbalanced. Maybe some of the trades are. Some of the, the bookshelf-to-book and glass-to-glass and -glass pane trades can sort of unbalance the system, but then you've got to think about what you're getting out of it at that stage and what you're using all of this stuff for. I feel like there's a certain to extent to which, yes, you can stockpile all of this stuff, but then what do you do with it? In my case, right. I'm buying glass with all of the emeralds that I'm farming, and while some of that gets traded back to cartographers, I love the fact that I don't have to go and mine out an entire desert for hours, says the man who's been mining out in obsidian pillars for hours. <laughs> but, but, I, but I love the fact that I don't have to tear apart an entire desert in my world and probably the closest desert where I would actually want to build a nice desert town or something in order to smelt all of it into glass just because I want to build a big glass floor for something, you know? I can actually trade that from villagers and... Having an easy trading cycle means that that aspect of the game is opened up to me. It really depends whether your priority is on just acquiring all of the resources that you possibly can, and this makes that too easy, or if it's then using those resources to get the stuff that is more difficult for you to, ha to acquire, and then using it to build cool stuff. Ultimately, the goal yeah. for me is build cool stuff. For me, the, the bottleneck comes with... Uh things that are hard to find slash have a limited quantity. A really good example, I think, is quartz. Uh, I've been using quartz a lot in my builds, and I've been, I have a lot of it because I've done a lot of, like, digging in the nether, and without really looking for quartz, you stumble on quite a bit of it. Yeah. Uh, the problem is it's it's that it's quartz. It's not quartz blocks. Like, it's, it's used in a couple of different things. And I don't have a data pack that allows me to uncraft quartz blocks into um, quartz. So... For me, I'm thinking ahead and thinking like, well, I shouldn't be turning my quartz into quartz blocks for building. I should be buying quartz from masons and yeah. using that for building and then using the quartz that I have uh, mined for redstone components and things like that. Uh, uh, observers and comparators and things like in that nature. Uh, I think there's also, I think it's also needed in daylight sensors. Uh, yes. So, yeah, those, yeah. Those are the, like bi the big, them, I think. The, yeah. the big three that require quartz yeah. items rather than quartz blocks. Exactly. So with that respect, like you, you think that, you know, you would lean on those trades, but here I am at end game, you know, like I've got a mine, I've got lots of stuff and I've not traded with villagers since one fourteen came out. I've not needed to, I've not needed anything that they have to offer. Uh, I have four of every tool all of which has got mending and various enchantments of what I need. And I don't die that often with something in my hand. So I've not lost things that often. So for me, it's it's not something that I have found a concern. 
I also haven't messed with it because I don't think the dust is settled on how villagers are going to work. So I, the idea of creating an entire trading hall right now when I feel like things are going to change quickly um, is is not really a high priority. Um, however, I'm pretty sure that with um, the 115 update, they're going to be changing the fact that villagers reset their trades so frequently. Yeah. And they're going to be going back to, I think, twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, like that first was thing the, in the morning and that was around the, noon. the intended trading cycle to begin with and the... Yeah. 114.4 bug has been easy to exploit, and I don't think it's going to be that way after 115. No, I, w I would imagine that's going to change, which will make it, again, a little bit less um, easy, uh, as, as Gnome pointed out. I do want to also tip my hat uh, to Gnome for mentioning that. Like, if you feel like this is an exploit, and if you feel like this is a broken part of the game, then just don't play like that. And I think that's great. I think it's an awesome idea. It's just like, you know what? I either stumbled upon this or, or or tested this out when I saw it in a video and I find it too easy and it breaks the game for me. I'm just not going to play with villager trades the next time I start a world. I think that's awesome. It's a really good example of rather than just the first kind of, you know, trigger reaction a lot of people have these days is to go to the internet and start complaining that, you know, it's broken and it's OP and blah, blah, blah. If you find it OP, don't do it. Yeah. You know, make a challenge for yourself. Play Minecraft without talking to villagers just ignore them they're kind of annoying anyway yeah. <laughs> to, to be to be honest like how often do you want to hear in the in the run of your game uh and so i think it's a really neat idea when you start to run into um these kind of things that you disagree with in the game it's a sandbox game you can play however you want and i i tip my hat for for that suggestion yeah i i think certain people would argue against the notion that like just don't play that way is like a valid way of dismissing people's like concerns about things being broken mechanics but also in the context of a sandbox game like minecraft there are so many opportunities for player set objectives and players to challenge themselves in different ways and like like you always um we, we bring up the fact that you don't wear diamond armor because you like the challenge of wearing iron armor and you don't like the look of diamond but that's another thing that people complain about is that diamond armor with all of these protection enchantments and stuff makes you too overpowered and then everybody leaps at the chance to add the other protection enchantments to their armor when it gets you know changed slightly in 1.14 and everyone's always asking me how do you get these stacking protections on your armor and it's it's funny the dichotomy there of people saying it's too easy but then wanting to take every shortcut to making it too easy at the same time right so i, I, I definitely support the idea of challenging yourself and and saying i'm not going to use villagers at all in this thing i'm going to acquire all of the resources myself and there's a two there's a double side of that too like diamonds are finite like you can only find so many of them you can't to my knowledge farm them in any other way you have to mine them the old-fashioned way and i was dying a lot when i first started playing minecraft and i was losing diamonds left right and center full diamond gear would just poof gone you yeah. know you fall into a chicken cooker and that is the end and so uh that didn't happen i'm not sure what i'm talking about the <laughs> the, the, the thing the thing for me is that like well i don't want to lose all my diamonds and now i'm no, i'm no longer spending them because i'm no longer losing pickaxes and tools and things but the i forget until someone mentions it in a Twitch video, like, why are you not wearing diamond armor? I forget that I don't have it on. Yeah. Like, I, 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 it's become such a core experience for me on the Citadel that I forget that I don't wear diamond armor. Yeah. And, and I think there's, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways that you can make the game less easy for yourself so so try try not taking shortcuts and and embrace the grind if you can because i think the reason i enjoy villager trading right now is it allows me to skip that grind it allows me like i said to not tear apart an entire desert if i don't need to uh right. so so yeah like the, there's there, there are ways around it for better or for worse and there are ways to use it and use it I want to say responsibly. That seems like such a strange concept, but I, I think it's it can be used in a way that doesn't feel as exploitative given the scope of the other stuff you want to do in this game. Mm -hmm. That's my, my thoughts on it. So uh, this week is a round table. Unfortunately, we don't have a guest for this week because it is becoming harder and harder to get hold of people as the year wraps up. But uh, we have a couple of topics to discuss and I guess I'll go first. So um, I was thinking about archetypal Minecraft builds, mainly because I'm looking for a few more things that I can build in this 8x8 series and I found that the 8x8 builds that I've been making basically are exactly the same as the builds I started in my one chunk series. They're kind of like the 
the Minecraft builds that everybody thinks of making when they start out. So like uh, a simple house, a castle, a windmill, a treehouse, that kind of stuff, right? And so I was thinking about what else falls under that category and what Minecraft sort of suggests for you to build through its gameplay, not necessarily through example, although we'll get to that in a second, but here's how I see it. You, you learn that you can move blocks around. Like the fir your first day in Minecraft, you're, you're, you're figuring out that you can break dirt blocks, that you can break trees. You don't have any tools yet, maybe, but you can build a primitive house out of whatever's available in order to survive the night. And it feels like roughing it. It actually, I think that's almost the most immersive part of Minecraft is the beginning where you are immediately thrown into a survival scenario and you have to put together what resources you have in order to survive almost the way you would in the real world, right? Like if you're somebody building a hut out of leaves and sticks and that kind of thing, then that's effectively what you're doing in Minecraft. So as you gather materials, then you tend to gravitate towards more house-shaped structures because that's what you know from the real world. You probably live in something that is vaguely house-shaped. So you start to build those out of easily available materials like wood and stone, and then a creeper blows up your house. So maybe you start looking for more blast-resistant stuff, and thus the adventure begins, and you think, okay, I need to I need to find some way of building a more durable house. And that's what prompts you to explore and find what other materials are out there, and maybe just, you know, the, the impulse to explore the world around you. But that's when you run into villages, other structures, things that prompt you to consider that there might be other building styles you go to the nether for the first time and wood sets on fire there and you basically have to build everything out of stone because it's the thing that's blast resistant from ghast fireballs and then you know you're, you're building a ton of stuff in stone there anyway you have a ton of stone that you've gathered from mining for precious resources so what kind of thing requires a lot of stone i know i'll build a castle you know the kind of stuff that naturally occurs to you as you're playing Minecraft. And it got me thinking about how many materials are in Minecraft that don't really naturally occur to you like this. Most people, I feel like, don't know what to do with stuff like Prismarine because, for a start, it doesn't really exist in the real world. It is a fictional material, but also Minecraft doesn't prompt you to do anything with it necessarily that you haven't already done with other blocks. And so I was wondering, is it Minecraft's job to prompt players to build with other materials through gameplay or through examples of generated structures. Uh, in the same way that you find jungle trees for the first time and it suggests like, oh, that's a really high tree. I bet I could build a treehouse on that one. Could Minecraft do better at providing archetypal examples of builds that you could do? Or what about the gameplay could change? What about the landscape could change to prompt players to build stuff a certain way? And in addition, could more mechanics be tied to building, like, I don't know, getting achievements for placing a certain amount of building blocks, requiring players to build more in order to fulfill goals set for them within the game? Right, like uh, an achievement could be, you know, place a thousand quartz blocks, uh, you know. Yeah. Weird example, I because it's a rare block, sounds like it would be a challenge. But then you're like, okay, well, what am I going to build that's entirely white? Well... The, the mind, given the kind of things that you can build with quartz blocks, lean to ancient Greek, you know, yeah. ancient Rome, that sort of thing. Uh, so I see what you're saying. Uh, I feel like achievements might be a good way to do that because it's not necessarily going to be hand-holding. Yeah. It really kind of says like, well, here's the block and here's the goal. Either place a lot of or, for example, place, um, I don't know, place a thousand concrete blocks underwater. You know, yeah. like just like just enough of a hint in an achievement to say, just don't mess around with this like in a square. You really have a, to put this in context. And that might lead people to make either an underwater base or maybe they make, a, I don't know, a, a, sh a ship that's, you know, like a, a, an ocean liner that is sunk, you know, the Titanic, that sort of thing. Um, that could be really interesting. I don't know about this, like what other surface structures they could implement, because when I first started playing the game, I was learning from watching Paul Soros Jr. on YouTube. And the first thing that he did wasn't build a hut or house. He dug himself into a wall. And so because that's the first thing that I saw, that tends to be what I do when I'm in a new world. Yeah. And granted, I haven't been in a new world a lot because I've only really played on two main worlds plus a couple of snapshots here and there uh, messing around. And I feel like 
um, for me, my initial builds have always been Minecraft functional or as opposed to emulating the real world. Mm -hmm. So it's more like, what do I want to build? Do I want to build this big mountain, snake mountain thing? Do I want to uh, start doing farms and community things? I just need a place to hang my hat. And I don't really, at that point in the early game, care what it looks like. Now, it was different on the Citadel because the Citadel was my second game, the second world uh, that I planned to keep for long term. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start this in a smart way. And I'm going to build myself a little five by seven log cabin as my starting thing. Cause I knew wood was easy to get, you know, like I wasn't green to the whole experience. Um, I know when I started in one twelve, uh, villages were not examples of inspiration. It was woof. Don't build like this. Cause yeah. this is really unattractive. Villagers are much better now. And I would say that, uh, I'm curious, especially with players like like Gnome, who said that they found a village right away uh, in their email, if these new villagers have kind of inspired, oh, I can use fences in that way. I can use uh, terracotta and cobblestone in a combination to make a cool-looking foundation and wall, you know, kind of thing. You can build uh, houses on stilts if you find yeah, one of those savannah villages and that kind exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there's wells in the villages, and, and the villages have, the houses all have different functions. Like there's a, uh, the, the mason has like a very, like a smelter, a smelter out front, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the library has obviously bookshelves, that sort of thing. And so I feel like there's a lot more inspiration um, and we'll say hints from Minecraft and currently that, that could push um, archetypal builds. I don't know how much things like jungle temples, desert temples, ocean monuments, strongholds really kind of push you in that direction because those don't feel like things that you should emulate so much as they feel like things that you should conquer yeah you know, to to survive like they i don't look at a jungle temple and go like oh cool i want to build one it's oh cool i wonder what's inside i want to leave it untouched because it's this rare minecraft thing that was generated and designed by the game um ocean monuments are a, kind of like a, a 50 50 people either think they're like cool and something to conquer or there's something to strip down to nothing so that you can farm uh, the the guardians and and prismarine yeah um, I I am curious about what piglin bastions might bring in terms of inspiration for for different builds in the nether fortress uh, or the in, in the nether updates um, but again I don't go into a nether fortress and think oh this is really cool I should build one you know yeah yeah exactly I I think I think they are getting better like you said with the the village thing is a really good example and having the different workstations in each house if nothing else lends itself to okay this house now has a a purpose instead of just being a house and you know suggests maybe you could build something that will suit the surroundings of a stonemason or a librarian or something a little bit more and mm -hmm. yeah i think the fact that piglin bastions are coming into a nether update where they are asking players to spend more time as a full survival experience in the nether and live sustainably there does encourage the player to think outside the box a little bit more and and pushes them into building cool stuff in the nether maybe with nether materials but maybe seeing what materials from the overworld look good in the nether at that point what they can still farm while they are there and so forth so yeah that there's there's definitely potential there and it is good that they are pushing that stuff through it's funny because like talking about achievements it hadn't occurred to me at the time but the way Minecraft Earth's um, like daily quests go is there's two quests for getting a certain amount of tappables, and then there are two quests that are related to build plates, and it's usually place this amount of blocks on a build plate, place that amount of blocks on a build plate. So it's fairly basic, but the combinations aren't necessarily intuitive. It's not necessarily like place a bunch of spruce logs and a bunch of oak planks so you make a wooden house. It's randomized, so it's like place 25 granite and 10 oak fences. But that in itself can potentially create a building challenge for you if you want to take it. Personally, what I've been doing is just opening a build plate, placing all of the blocks in a line or in a square or something, backing out and claiming the reward. But somebody who was more patient than that and wasn't just doing the quest for the sake of doing the quest could take that as a challenge. And I don't know if daily quests should be something that gets added into Minecraft alongside advancements, but it would mm. certainly give people interesting challenges like that if the game was to say okay now build something that has you know x amount of diorite in it uh, probably annoying a lot of people and x amount of something else and then you could see how those blocks work together and it would encourage you to try out color palettes for builds a little bit more 
and this is the kind of thing that is a, is very community led and very led by the player's imagination anyway so i have a i have an inkling that if there were challenges like that in the game players would just do what was functionally necessary to complete the advancement right. and not necessarily take it as a building prompt but for the few that would take it as a building prompt i think it would be a really interesting challenge for them I think one way to get around that would be like that little asterisk suggestion at the end of the achievement, like not just placing a thousand blocks or, or, or these two types of blocks, but maybe being specific, like place, you know, uh, diorite and what's a thing that would be, I don't know, dark oak in a flower forest, you know, like just give you that, like, not only do you have to do this, but you also have to travel to this biome that you may or may not have ever been to. This kind of makes me um, want to make a custom advancement pack that does stuff like this. Yeah, it it sounds really fun. Yeah, it gives people little rewards for going out and finding specific biomes and building with certain materials in them and and seeing what comes up. So, yeah. What would the rewards be? What would you think would be a good reward for that kind of thing? Well, the standard thing to give rewards for in terms of advancements is experience, but it's not limited to that. So you could give somebody like a small cache of resources. You could give them a diamond for it. You could give them an emerald or something like you can't, you can give Mm. people individual items for it and while there's obviously ways you can exploit that heavily it's up to you if you download the advancement pack to begin with but i think it would be kind of fun to give somebody like you know uh you could give them a sunflower named something and it could almost be like they've been given a rosette like at a you know you've won first place in this build competition here you go kind of thing nice um i I don't know something like that I'm, i'm i'm still sort of workshopping the idea but it would it would oh. just be interesting to me if that kind of stuff occurred naturally in game. So again, this is kind of reaching for the stars here, but like your the idea of a ribbon kind of sparked my mind. What if it was a banner and the only way to get that particular banner pattern is to complete that advancement of placing this many blocks in this particular biome. Right. Yeah. And then once you've done that, you have that banner that you could then use in a loom and use as often as you want. Yeah, yeah. But the so, way to unlock it is to complete the advancement. So so you get like a like like the the, the enchanted golden apple banner pattern or something like that. Exactly. Some, something yeah. like that that feels a little bit more exclusive. Certainly an idea, yeah. And and so it it's just interesting to me that for a game that has so much of an emphasis on building in a sandbox, there are relatively few materials that you are required to build with, and the rest kind of has to come from you. And that's a great thing in terms of inspiring players creativity but there are so many people out there who either don't really get building or they just find themselves getting stuck for what to build so frequently that i wonder if the game could prompt a little bit more of that stuff this would be really interesting to hear from uh from our audience from as well so if you have any ideas about how that could be implemented into the game let us know once again the spawn chunks at gmail.com is the email address and it'd be really fun to uh to hear from some of you guys but we should move on to uh your topic before we run out of time for this week so this week in particular, I've been running into this issue, and I know that I have been, um, we'll say loud on the podcast about asking for new blocks, new block variants, and how even the smallest changes get exciting when you add like a different kind of slab or a different kind of block to the game. <laughs> Hashtag Something crack could... stone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, in all of this designing and spitballing that I've been doing, essentially it's a lot of creative work in survival Minecraft. and boy, does it not take very long for your inventory to fill up and become wholly unusable. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of times over the course of the last few streams, I have been brought to a halt in gameplay, having to stop, empty, travel, uh, reorganize, uh, all because the things that I'm doing are being picked up or uh, things are getting shuffled around, things are getting split in my inventory and I'm using up two slots when really... It, you know, it's, it's two, two stacks of 30 could be combined into a stack of 60, but it's taking up inventory slots. I don't know why that's happened. I'm not sure how that's happened. Um, things like that. And it, what I'm getting at is that essentially the 27 slots plus the nine in your hot bar uh, starts to feel a little bit cramped in the current version of the game. So for me to be, you know, a uh, champion get a bit for more blocks may or may not be a good thing. And I want to give a shout out to my buddy Alistair, who plays on the Citadel with me, who asked me in a text message uh, this weekend, um, you were talking on the stream about inventory, what would you do to improve it? And I'm curious about your thoughts on this too, because it's a dangerous slope. Like you don't want to become just, you know, an, uh, an, an inv- infinite inventory. You don't want one block solutions. You don't want um, one item solutions. You kind of want to keep the, the spirit of Minecraft 
going. But as they expand the game and as the Nether update comes next year, and we're assuming more blocks are coming with that, uh, as they've shown us, it becomes the you know a, a concern of like well wh like how am I supposed to use all of these blocks at once without having to create these shulker villages uh, as you build and have everything on you or near you in order to have like these colors available? It, it, think of it like you know something I really love about drawing in digital format is that I have every color available to me in Photoshop. I just have to change the the selector right mm -hmm. yeah. whereas if i want to do that traditionally i've got to have a thousand markers you know yeah. i have to have a yes. you know i have to have a thousand colored pencils um painters same thing you have to have all these different colors in order to paint what you may or may not you know feel like painting that day and so i i find that for me i've been watching a fair amount of modded and obviously some of it i would consider we'll call it quote unquote op i don't really think it's okay op so much of it just doesn't feel like minecraft but do we go in the direction of of a bag you know something like a bag mod from from modded minecraft where it's a it's an item like a shulker box in your inventory but you don't have to place it down in the world to access it you can just click on it or right click on it or something and it opens up another small inventory within your um within your own inventory i mean maybe that's not very big maybe it's only an extra seven slots maybe it's something that you can upgrade over time so when you first get the bag it's only three or four slots maybe then you can upgrade it to 12 or 18 or something i'm assuming they would be more like you know 8 16 etc as minecraft tends to go um the other thing that i was thinking about would be how would you price that like how would you create that how would you make that special and scarce and and important to say end game which is really when it comes in into play and i was thinking about maybe making it feel like or cost something similar to an ender chest you know like an eye and eye of ender a shulker combined with leather or wool is it dyeable um that sort of thing do you want to go as far as filtering it so that maybe yes you get inventory space or extra inventory space but caveat you can only put stone in that bag you know or you can only put wood in that bag uh, are they things that are pre-designated by Minecraft to say like, well, it's a resource sack. You can't put stairs or flowers or things in it. You can really only put like mining materials. Like maybe it's a, a stone sack will only hold stone, similar to how you can only put certain materials into a furnace, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, I... and then lastly, would we just rather want a larger inventory? Like we would just make it bigger. Like, does, does 27 slots just not enough visually? Like, do you want to have more on your person? I mean, people will argue, well, that's just unrealistic. I think 27 slots of stacks of stone is pretty unrealistic as it is now. <laughs> it so is. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's really the concern. I think the concern here is just like playability, player enjoyment. Because I really, I've had to stop what I'm doing creatively and just reorganize. And sometimes it can take like you know, a couple of minutes and it's very, it's even hard to talk over. Like, unless I'm talking about specifically putting the wood away and putting the stone away, I can't really have another conversation with the chat room. Um, this is probably more for content creators, but like, I can't do anything else when I'm reorganizing my inventory. I kind of just have to do that. Yeah. And, and I feel like I do it like at least once every 30 minutes. And so I'm, I'm curious about what your, your thoughts would be on that kind of improvement to the game. I'm interested by the idea of having it restricted to a very specific type of item. I feel like that's the way to not make it overpowered. I'm still a big fan of the idea of having a tool belt. So you have a second hotbar that you swap in and out, and maybe that one only has tools, but it feels like something you're wearing. You know, it feels like it's kind of immersive in that sense. And like as though you're reaching down into a tool belt and picking up, you know, you've got your pickaxe there, you've got your axe, you know, slung at your hip, that kind of thing. I like that idea a lot, and I think Tinker's Construct already has one of those. And and it's just a different hotbar that you can swap out, so you could have blocks and resources that you're building with on one, and then you press a keyboard key and it's back to the tools, you know? And, and food and things like that can go in there as well, maybe, the kind of stuff that people typically have on their hotbar. I, I don't know. Expanding your inventory seems like a, a difficult thing to balance, mainly because I get lost with 36 slots of inventory now 
You know, mm. I, I I can look at 36 slots of inventory and I'm holding like a stack of trap doors or something and I still don't see them and I still have to go and craft some more and then I realize when I craft the others that they're adding to a stack I've already got in my inventory. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I feel like increasing that is just going to increase how difficult it is for people who... Um, who struggle with like you know partitioning all of that stuff and compartmentalizing and finding all of the stuff that is meant to be like you know okay I've, I've got all of this stuff in my inventory already it's just becomes another you know an, another difficulty when it's searching for that stuff visually so mm -hmm. i think some sort of you know additional inventory could be like a pop-up from within the current inventory i feel like that would make more sense than having it be you know 54 slots of inventory all the time also, I don't know if this is necessarily one of their design philosophies, but minimalism plays a big part in Minecraft, and I wonder if maybe they want to prevent you from just clicking through your inventory on multiple levels and then having to back out multiple levels before you get back to actually playing the game, and that might mm. be why things like backpacks you can open from your inventory haven't been a thing so far in vanilla Minecraft, because... In terms of a shulker box, like you're going out of your inventory, you're placing it, you open the shulker box, but then there is a stage between that where you're interacting with the real world. And it becomes less like micromanaging your storage over multiple levels in your inventory. And, you know, you have to back out a bunch of times before you can swing a sword at the creeper that sneaked up on you while you were doing that. I wonder if maybe they, they have that in part of their design philosophy in the same sense as they have, you know you only break one block at a time is that we only have to deal with one gui window at a time before you go right back and you have to do something else so it's tricky my argument my argument there is that if you've ever you know i've i've seen you do this on the stream when you've got like six or seven shulkers that you're going through you're in and out of those inventories so fast that you might as well have them all on screen at the same time yeah <laughs> like it's, it's true you know what i mean you know like i i think that that clicking through inventory stuff we have that experience now the difference is that you have to lay them all on the ground first mm -hmm. um i think that one of the things that they changed with the crafting table was like you know before when you exited the crafting table what was left on the crafting table would end up being spat out on the floor yeah if you didn't have room for it or or rather regardless it would just be spat out on the floor now when you exit the crafting table everything just goes into your inventory I think even if you were several levels deep into like opening up a couple of bags in your inventory, if you hit E to exit the inventory, I would imagine that the thing to do would be just close everything, one go, whoosh, yep. you know, and just kind of do it that way, um, which I think is faster than than going through shulkers. Um, to, to push it to the extreme, which I don't think would necessarily be the right solution, but I've been watching um, Funcraft that, that Eskal is doing, and he has some custom stuff where items that he's picking up are not only going uh, into his inventory, but they're going into a specific bag automatically. Right. And yeah. I can see the appeal, especially for what he's doing with it specifically. But I, I wonder if that kind of a thing would also add to some of the gameplay and some of the enjoyment of like mining, you know, where you're like, okay, I'm going to set up this bag and this bag is just going to like basically vacuum up the stone that I'm collecting. So it's all going to be in this one bag in my inventory when I'm done. Or you have like or a, if, a foraging pouch that's where all of the seeds and wheat and stuff goes when you're yeah, farming stuff. Yeah, I've, farming I've stuff seen like that. stuff like that yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that to me is really cool. And it adds, and especially if it's something that's not automatic by the game, but something that you then have to craft and then tell what to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you have to say, okay, well, I've got this bag, but I have to... I don't know, dye it yellow for it to be, you know, a, yeah. a farming bag. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I have to dye it gray in order for it to be a mining bag. Or or you have to, um, I'm trying to think about what would be, a mining bag, the idea would be maybe you have to combine this bag with an iron ingot or two in order to make it a mining bag. Or a farming bag, maybe you have to combine it with wood or dirt or leather or something. Like, you know, make it something that you have to uh, create the item that you're that you're using not just a, a thing that you find you know in the game or make it too easy um i like the idea of working for it i can also see the idea of like well if i have a bag and i've expanded the inventory then i i wouldn't mind filling up my inventory with stone and then taking the time to open up take the inventory from my main inventory and putting it into the bag myself i'd be okay with that we do that with shulker boxes now uh and and i i think that would be a good solution to me i think I'm pulling a lot, and I know I mentioned this a lot on, on the show um, with World of Warcraft because it's one of the other video games I have a lot of experience with in my past. And that is, you've got f five or six bag slots, and forgive me folks that still play, I, it's been a long time since I've played WoW, but you upgrade those bags over time. So you start off with a sack that's got five slots in it. And then later on you buy a different 
sack that's got 20 slots in it, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes those bags are specific, like you can only put um, certain things in them. But I, I found that that was a better way of dealing with the inventory um, compared to Minecraft, where you just get this limit of like 27 slots and you have to kind of manage it all. Uh, I like the idea of, for example, keeping all of your food and anything that might be um, related to your health in a little red bag you know, yeah. in, in your inventory. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think my health bag and wow was red. <laughs> uh, but I, the, the thing like for me with this is that, uh, and I know this could be part of my own fault too. I'm playing Minecraft much like I see other people play Minecraft. So my hotbar has a sword, a bow, a pickaxe, a uh, an axe, a shovel. Uh, somewhere else in my inventory, I have a pair of shears, a flint and steel, the arrows for my infinity bow, uh, rockets, food, and ender pearls. Like that is a good chunk of my inventory that I don't necessarily use all the time. Yeah. Right. It's, it's so there for having, the sake of convenience more than anything. Yeah. So having stuff like rockets or ender pearls or food that I'm not necessarily using when I'm building, but still want to have on my person for when I'm attacked by a ghast or, you know, have all that kind of stuff. I feel like it would be more handy to have the ability to compartmentalize a little bit. Um, Again, like I just, I, I don't want to have or suggest one item solutions, but I'm wondering if there could be some deeper gameplay in inventory augmentation. And something that doesn't just turn Minecraft into an item management simulator, preferably. Yeah. Like if it's something that can be automated in some way. And going quickly back to the idea of having you know something to let you know that you've got two different stacks that are split between different slots of your inventory that could be combined inventory tweaks does this really well where you can just click one button that says sort alphabetically or in in the case of something like this just like condense would be kind of nice and there are other games like terraria which has thousands of items thousands of weapons even uh that has inventory sorting features in the vanilla game without adding any mods whatsoever because it knows you're going to need them and I think Minecraft, perhaps for economy of UI and because there are so many different ways to create auto-sorting systems in the game, has foregone that and has not started to include those features as it goes. And maybe because the mods already exist and the team doesn't think they can do better than them or doesn't want to be seen as, you know, ripping them off in a way, maybe they've shied away from that. And I think it might be time to start looking at features like that as we go on, if nothing else but for player convenience. Now... The concern I have about stuff like inventory tweaks is that it doesn't always sort items in the way I would like my items to be sorted. And to set up priorities, you can do that in inventory tweaks, but it takes a lot of doing because, you know, sometimes I rearrange my inventory a certain way because I like it that way, but sometimes I rearrange my inventory a certain way because of the priorities I have at the given time and those two approaches are going to be different and so to tell mm. inventory tweaks like if I press it once I want it set up this way if I press it a second time I want it to set up that way it can be done but it's a lot of once again like micromanaging all of these individual little quirks and eccentricities of the way you like to organize your inventory and that in itself takes time that then takes you out of the game you could be playing and it becomes a different kind of experience. It becomes much more like administrative as an experience. And I don't want that from Minecraft. But then what we're asking for really is a golden goose, a way that, you know, Minecraft can intuitively make inventory management happen perfectly. Uh, so right. it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult to chase that idea. But once again, like hearing from the community is probably a good thing because um, people have ideas that we may not even have considered in our discussion of this, even though we've got some some pretty solid ideas here on paper, I think. I mean, just having different bags for stuff, almost like if you enchanted shulker boxes, say, or colored shulker boxes a certain way or added them, uh, added some items to them, just label them in some form, then having them automatically pick up items as you go could be really beneficial as far as, you know, managing the inventory on the fly and then... Yeah, as far as sorting goes, maybe you sort everything into them or, or take stuff out of them, but you're skipping the step of having to put them down, put stuff back in them, and then pick them up again. I'm not yeah. sure. It's certainly something that has a lot uh, a lot of depth to it, and who knows? In future, we might end up seeing some kind of overhaul of inventory management, maybe even sooner rather than later, because we're definitely getting to the point where the, the tipping point might happen and people are just like, this is too much clutter. Mm-hmm. 
All right, folks. I, agree. I think that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening and hopefully for participating in the discussion as well. You can find some more information about the stuff we've talked on the sh- uh, talked about on the show at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and the higher tiers also have some stuff that contributes to these round tables not least you know priority when it comes to considering uh, discussion topics for round tables and stuff like that often the inspiration for this stuff comes from our patron community and we thank them for that and we hope you'll be interested in participating uh, it also gets us closer to our next milestone goal on patreon we're currently at 140 patrons which is another increase from last week always room for more of course but special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron segelski greener kennock jd williamson and yitz for their support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just tell people about it. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to support the show. There are something like 700,000 podcasts out there. So wherever you like to talk about Minecraft, poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, Joel and Johnny do a pretty good job with the show. At least we like to think so. <laughs> we do all right. Give it a listen. You know, uh, we've been at this for a year and a half now, and uh, I'm having a blast. I hope the listeners do as well, but we're looking to grow the community always. So tell people about the show. It really helps us out a lot. As Johnny mentioned, you can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And of course, you can find the RSS feed on spawnchunks.com. Sorry, thespawnchunks.com. I do that quite often. I feel bad. And the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me to do some work, just drop me a line there. I just finished a logo for an event that Noxcrew was putting on. So if you've seen the MC Championship logo floating around, that's me. Uh, if you'd like to listen to my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe, that's about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. It happens on Wednesdays. And you can, of course, follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. It's all just my name, Joel Duggan. Pretty easy to find. Come hang out on Twitch. We've got not only some Minecraft, but now No Man's Sky happening. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Build what you like. I dare you.